Hi Onyx fam, welcome to the Onyx Life where change comes with challenge. My name is Marcel. And I'm Rita. Every episode we take you on a journey moving you from the struggle life to the Onyx life, creating happy homes and financial empires. Today we're going to be talking about how we became homeless. Before we talk about when we became homeless, uh, we want to tell you the story about what led up to that moment. And, you know, when I look back, I ask myself, were we even ready to really buy a home? Was buying a home even a good idea? You know, a lot of people are asking the same question. Is buying a home a good investment or should you just rent? What do you think, hon? Do you think we were ready? In retrospect, you know, it's a tricky question because, you know, I, no, it's not tricky. No, we weren't. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't ready. We weren't ready because while we were, while you had the job that was stable, I had not been stable yet up until that point. Mm-hmm. And what everyone warns you could happen, you know, this could happen or that could happen and you need some stability before you get into a situation like a home everything that happened actually happened and had i been more prepared with being in a job that was stable and right um we had worked we had saved and we had some level of stability whenever any challenge came to us we would have been able to handle it better so no right. we weren't ready we weren't ready but i was so tired of renting and i think you were too i think that's that that was like the yeah we were professional impetus. it's like we were professional renters Right. And it's just when you stop and think about renting, and this is why a lot of people say, you know, you buy a home, buy a home. It's not an investment or buy a home because you're wasting your money away. Because when I stop and think about all the rent that we would pay during every month during the year, it just was so much money going into somebody else's pocket. And I just couldn't stomach it. Because when you stop and look at even the rent prices, because if, okay, if you want a really good rental, you're going to have to go into a low income housing type of situation or a poorer neighborhood where it's going to put your family at risk. And it's just not going to be the best type of living conditions if you want to have low rent. But if you want to have decent rent or a decent neighborhood, you're going to be paying double what you would pay in mortgage. And that's what happened to us. I mean, we were paying. I remember um, we were paying about a thousand five hundred in rent. 1500 every single month in rent and just five minutes up the street we ended up purchasing the house and when we purchased the house the mortgage that we were paying was 800 so it was almost double and i mean the circumstances where we were renting was not it seemed ideal at first it was right around the time when you know desperate housewives came out and you know those picture perfect neighborhoods well we were in a townhome and when we were there, everyone was like, this is like the Desperate Housewives Street. And you know what? Eventually it became filled with drama, just like Desperate Housewives. <laughs> right. You know, we had some first, our first neighbors were crazy every second. All I could hear across the wall was, I bet you, I bet you. And all sorts of arguing. Arguing back and forth. And it was like, go and do these dishes. I bet you I won't. Yep. It was just like nuts. Right. So, it was a lot of a lot of arguing. And I know, I know that anyone that is in a rental situation knows this to be true. And I, I hear a lot of friends who are still renting and they just talk about the craziness of 
you know, the arguments between husband and wives, or the arguments between siblings, and just, it's just crazy where even police has to be called. And so one of the reasons why people just don't want to rent is because it's just crazy. I mean, remember that guy? I mean, he was a, he was a pharmacist and yeah. So our next neighbor, so we're thinking, okay, yeah, well, well they're yeah. both doctors. They're both She's, doctors. Yeah. I forgot what she was doing, but she was a resident and mm-hmm. then he was all, he had graduated and was a pharmacist. And so we were thinking, oh, okay, well, They'll probably be calmer and we're going to have a good relationship. Right. Wrong. 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 They Number one, they felt entitled. That, to me, that was the major problem. Right. And so we're sharing a wall because we're on the end and they were on, they were in the middle. And the wall we shared with them happened to be the one where our TV was on. And so whenever we turned on the TV, it didn't matter how soft it was. It was like, your TV is so loud. It woke up our baby and they were just like, it was just crazy. No, they didn't even have a baby at this point. Oh, she was pregnant. She was pregnant. She was pregnant. And he was like, she has to study. And we had a late night and on and on and on. And it's like, hold on. We also work. And we have our four kids and we can hear you guys sometimes. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like we share a wall. This is what happens when you You have a townhouse. And it was a thin wall. Don't expect silence. If you want, right. If you want silence, then go go live in a single family home. (laughs) Right. Go live in a single family home and you're surrounded by, you know, a big yard. No, but this guy was really crazy. Like he literally would come. He came over one night and he was crying. Like, about yeah. how lonely he was and no but he was crying about the noise too he was crying yeah but he literally then, started crying and saying that you know i can't take it i'm going right. crazy like and he then just, he started talking about how you know yeah. it's very isolating to be a pharmacist and right just on and on and on we were at this point you know we watch a lot of dateline we were like we gotta get out of yeah, here get out of here i mean we, we, were just, we gotta get out of here and so like Marthel said we ended up moving into mm-hmm. a home that the rent was actually, you know, it was less. It was half. No, sorry, was the mortgage was less. And then we ended up renting again. This is later after we lost our home. We ended up renting another home somewhere else. And again, that rent was higher than we were paying in our mortgage. And we barely even got qualified to even rent at that point. And the neighborhood that we rented in with this home, you know, you would think, you're paying a thousand five hundred again, and I think it even went up one year, went to mm-hmm. one thousand six hundred. Right. And you would think, oh, this must be a nice neighborhood. No, no. There was um, like an apartment complex right next to this home. It was a small one, but mm-hmm. people were constantly out talking and partying and smoking. And and um, down the street was a house full of men that apparently I heard was a halfway house. Right. So and our children are right now at risk here because we have a halfway house on our street. Mm-hmm. You know, in these rental properties, um, generally speaking, they're, they don't take care of the lawns and there is not a lot of, um, there's not a lot of um, vetting process to who is going to be in the property because it's not, you know, you don't, if you own a property, then you're going to be like, I want to make sure it's taken care of and everything. And I want to make sure it's a great place. But when you're renting and everybody on the street is renting, you know, the property can go, you know, kind of go down. Yeah. And then we had another apartment when we first got married where we had put out on our patio, a little fridge and we found that was gone. Right, and so these are, it. these aren't even neighborhoods that look bad. He's actually from the outside, anybody driving through them would go, oh, I would love to live here. Right. But even in that, it was still a situation where, 
you know, and, and not to say these things can't happen in a buy situation in your home, but it just happened more frequently to us right. in, in neighborhoods where we were renting. Right, exactly. And so I remember when my wallet got stolen one time because they were breaking into cars and homeless people was walking down the street trying well, to, you know, get get garbage yeah. and pop cans to turn it in for change. And right. So it's just, I mean, that that was some of the things that was happening to us that would say, okay, we don't want to rent. And of course, you know, um, you always want you always hear from your parents and other people saying that, you know, you really need to buy because you're wasting your money. You're wasting your money. You know, you need to invest in your future and buying a home is an investment. And there are a lot of people that are questioning that right now. And they're saying, you know, maybe buying a home is not the way to go and it's not an investment. And, you know, maybe you should maybe, you know, renting is just as much opportunity for investment as buying a home. And so. Um, I guess that's kind of one of the questions is, is that, you know, is buying a home, you know, an actual investment? I know we bought our first home and when we bought our first home, um, it was a fixer upper <laughs> and it was a, it wasn't a bad deal. Well, when we saw the home, we liked the neighborhood. It was right. quiet. It was a suburb and um, it had a big yard. It was just a really nice place that we could see raising our children and we always think long term it's, it's just funny because every time we moved we always think okay this is where we're going to be now for you know until retirement and right now i hope it's true in the home we're in right now but back then we thought it was that home mm -hmm. and i really thought this was it but we, but there was but there was so much potential so yeah. when we went in there it was like there was some things that needed fixing so like we, it, we were coming from a three-bedroom, two-and-a-half bathroom uh, townhouse. Yeah, three-bedroom, two-and-a-half townhouse. And we were renting. And we were renting. And we moved into a home that had three bedrooms. And one bathroom. And one bathroom with the potential for two more bedrooms on the bottom floor that were kind of like either you can make it a bedroom or you can make it an office, office or right. whatever. They had closets, though. So... You could say it was a five-bedroom home with one bathroom. But the thing was, guys, we, we need to paint a picture for you. You walk into the home, and there is like this brown carpet in the living room. Mm -hmm. And then you see this hardwood, but not like the hardwood we have now. Not the nice hardwood. It looked like maybe like, that was the hardwood from the, you know, came right off 1900s, the trees. like 1910 <laughs> or something. And not the nice ones that you see all fixed up on HGTV. No. It was just like, yeah, like someone took it off the trees. And I know that you're you're tempted there. to say rustic look? No. 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 no <laughs> not it rustic. Just old. <laughs> then you you know, then Then the faux then the faux wood on the walls. The oh, walls had yeah. this faux wood, yeah. like That's a not our trying look. to do log in, log yeah. cabin type of look. Yeah, but it was it's, faux wood. It, was it wasn't faux. real. It was like paper thin. Right. It it's not our look. Some people listening might like that look. It wasn't ours. It, it was not our look. And then you go to the stairs. The stairs had some type of nineteen seventies patterned orange, orange, like that, that pattern. It was so ugly. It was like that furry type of carpet that yep. just was long like mm -hmm. it, it looked like it was lawn that needed to be cut with a lawnmower like <laughs> it was just carpet. shag yeah. carpet it was it was so it, i don't even know what that pattern was and in the basement they had an oil tank an old oil tank that first of all that basement 
was scary. It, it was a scary basement. That basement reminds me of that Home Alone scene where Kevin is scared to go to the basement because like the furnace is alive. Well, that's how I felt about our basement. <laughs> it was just, it was like, don't go down so there. So you guys don't. are probably wondering like, why did but you guys buy it? But we're not done. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, upstairs yeah. in the kids' rooms, right. they had wood paneling, real wood this time that, that, that was, um, that paneled some of the in bookcases that were, or you know, built-ins and the frames around the doors. But the thing was, sap was still leaking out of this wood. Oh my goodness. So it was like sticky. <laughs> it was sticky. The windows, the windows were very, like they weren't like the they were windows. Thin. They were, because they were only single pane. They were single pane windows right. and they were not like manufactured windows for homes i don't believe no. they were just i mean they broke so easily well no they were but it was because the it house the house was old it was an old house and then in the master bedroom this was a lovely thing instead of a window it was like a patio door but there was door. no patio it was just the roof of the porch you're being very so, generous to call it a master bedroom <laughs> I know. it was like an attic <laughs> <laughs> well i'm just gonna say that um, that door, that screen door that led outside was just to the roof of the porch and there was no railing. I don't even understand how this house was safe enough to sell in that way. Right. And the previous owner was like, oh, we used to come out here and just lay out on this roof. And I'm like, with no railing? Right. Just, you could just... Literally, you could just walk right through your door and just walk right onto the porch and then jump down to the driveway. So one of the first things when we bought this home, one of the first things that we did is we changed that. Yeah, we that. changed that. Made it into a window. We made it into a window and got someone contractor to match the... Oh, it's a blue house, by the way. It yeah. was a blue panel. It was a <laughs> blue light panel. blue panel house. To this day, we call it the blue house. The blue house. Um, it was just... Oh. I mean, and, and our, you know, the nicest parts of the house, I think... Was the kitchen? The kitchen was nice. It wasn't like how it looks today with granite or marble mm -hmm. or anything. It was just probably for Mike, for Micah, but it was it was regular. That's a regular see, kitchen. The rest of much. the house was such a patchwork of styles and 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 textures that it was nice to just go into a kitchen and it just looked calm. But we bought it because it was a good deal financially. Financially, it was not a high cost home. Um, something that we could get approved for. And, and we barely got approved. And for we barely it. got approved for it. We barely did. And and the thing about it is, the thing about it was that we had so much dreams for it. That's why we bought it. We bought it because we're like, we're gonna do this, and we're gonna rip up this carpet. And we're, we're gonna, gonna tear add down a bathroom. This. We're gonna add a. Bathroom oh, and by here. the way, all the bedrooms upstairs didn't have a door. Right. So one of our no first doors. dreams, quote unquote, dreams was, was to we're door. gonna go put some doors upstairs. Right. This was so ridiculous. It, I'm not even sure. Maybe we had a door to the bathroom. Yes. And then a door to one of the rooms downstairs. And then that was and it. And that was it. That was about There were no other it. doors. No other doors. All doors were gone. They were gone. I don't even know where they were. Not me either. Now, the positive thing about the house also was that it had a lot of uh, acreage. Well, I mean, it's that to me is only positive when you have something to do with it or it's scenic. Right. See, where we were... We were in upstate New York at the time, and we weren't on some hill that had a lot of acreage and you could see like, you know, farms or mountains. It wasn't that scenic. It was just, we had a yard and then there was like a forest of trees. It's like a rectangular lot. 
And, you know, there's a house right next door on both sides. Mm-hmm. So it's just a rectangular lot of like right. a few that acres. That went way back. That went like, way back. But it's but not it's like, like you're going to walk through it. Because right. one day we did. And that was a huge mistake because oh, we all mistake. came back with ticks. And our dogs on had the dogs. ticks. And it was just, it was so, crazy. Like we were yeah. just like all just like so that stripping acreage, off and trying right. to. <laughs> so <laughs> that to... acreage didn't really count for much. And then we found out later after um People do your due diligence because we found out later after that our the previous owners were dumping their junk on into the woods in the behind woods. the house. So we saw like all this junk inside the woods in the house. But yeah. anyways, so we bought this home. Um, my parents helped us out with our first payments and to make sure that we were able to have the enough down money, payment, yeah. the down payment to be, make sure that we had it. Um, we were so relieved because it cut our, you know, our payments in half by you know 600 you know 600 dollars versus you know 1500 and so it, it it just seemed like it was a, a pretty good deal and of course we were going to uh, fix it up but hard times come and um and we could not we had bought the home but we couldn't really afford it and so what was happening what ended up happening is is that if a window broke guess what Boarded oh, it we're up. gonna board this up but don't worry don't, don't worry. worry we'll fix, we'll it, fix soon. it soon yeah we're gonna fix it soon and then the next thing you know we became those people you don't want to live beside i mean yeah. our grass was growing we couldn't lawnmower we not working uh we couldn't get it cut we had uh boarded up home oh our porch one <laughs> was it your foot i don't our, know it was somebody walked onto our porch and their foot, foot went, went right, right through, through it because the wood was rotting <laughs> and the and the stairwell to the porch didn't have a rail didn't have a rail and the porch stairs was also broken and we had to prop it up with like a piece of wood <laughs> it was a hot mess you it know, truly but, was a but, hazard <laughs> but you know what we were there for about eight years Eight years. And so can you imagine, okay. guys, what it looked like at the end of eight years? At the end of eight years. Because we didn't have the money to fix it. We could No, not. I'm sorry. We weren't in that house for eight years. We were in there for like five. Five years. Because five three years, years, three years in, the, in, the in the townhouse. Five years in that right. one, yeah. But that was a home that our children grew up in. And uh, to, this to this day, day, they say that that's their like favorite home. Their favorite home. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you see what we're we're in right oh, now, man. we're in a thirteen thousand square foot home. Like, Elevators, like movie eleva- theater, huge movie theaters that is like a you know like rivals real movie theaters. Yeah, like this is a mansion. And here. these kids <laughs> are pining after this dilapidated dump because their childhood memories are tied to this place. At, at that home, we had our two dogs. We don't have a dog yet. We're actually going to get be getting a dog soon. But we had our two dogs. So they have like this really warm, fuzzy memory of being little kids. And, and, this, and, you know, because maybe as kids, you know, it's still nice and fuzzy on the edges. As right. we're for adults, it's clear as day. Like, what are we doing? What did we get ourselves we were, into? We felt like horrible. Like the... The furnace down there went out one winter and I think we told you guys a story about how, you know, when it went out, someone had to come and, and help us, you know, fix it. But we were cold for a lot of times. A lot and of the times we could not pay um, our our heating uh, and our electricity. And so it would go out and then we'd have to go down there and pay it back and have them turn it back on and then pay the fees for it to go back on. And um, the basement would flood. And so the water would be like up to 
it would if, if it was up to my knees and it was up to the kids like waste okay so they couldn't even go down in the basement sometimes in the seasons because it would just be flooded with dirty well, water they never wanted to go down there and they never wanted to so go down there. i mean there was just, nothing there to go down for it's just horrible but, but in case like we stored something down there but um i just want to kind of remind the audience why we were unable to afford it it was because i was not really working i was trying to finish up school and then finding odd jobs here and there right. and so that's why we couldn't afford it and then of course like i think that if you've listened to other podcasts you'd remember that i was working in canada and um half of my paycheck would go away to fees of um like exchanging the canadian funds that i got in my paycheck for american and when the dollar went down to 68 percent i'm losing most of it to that exchange rate plus when you go to the bank, they take another fee off of that. And so we really just couldn't live. Like we really got hit. We did not assess our complete situation. We overestimated what we could do and underestimated what the challenges would be. Yes. And so that's what really got us into a real bind. Because when you buy a home, you are responsible for everything. Everything. So everything. It's not like renting where you could like rent for a thousand five hundred, but guess what? You don't have to worry about the electricity. You don't have to worry about heating. You don't have to worry about if anything breaks down because the landlord has to take care of that. We had to take care of everything and we we certainly found that out but um but going back to the question that i you know kind of posed earlier is uh some people argue that buying a home is an investment and so they say you know you must get an investment and my parents used to always say when are you guys going to buy a home you know you're renting and you're throwing away your money but there's an argument out there and the argument is is that sometimes they some people say that you know buying a home is not necessarily an investment now the people that argue that it is an investment they say well the reason why it's an investment and a lot of times these are old school thinkers like old schoolers they say that well you know a house appreciates and a car depreciates a boat depreciates a clothes clothing depreciate but a house appreciates therefore it's an investment it's one of the biggest purchases that you'll ever make in your life um other people say um, it's counted as a part of your assets and a part of your equity um you get tax benefits and so they they they, they see it as definitely an investment um, but while, you know, a home has financial benefits, the house itself does not generate income. And so those people, some people say they don't see it as a pure investment. They don't really see it truly um, as an asset per se, an income generating asset because it's not really giving you an income. And to further complicate that problem, many people have their entire incomes locked into their mortgage payment with no opportunity to make any investment growth. So, and that was us. Many people are just pushing their budget to buy this home and they try to buy as high up as they can so that they can have the best quality home, but all of their money, their cash poor, all their money is tied into this. And so, people that do that which is often most people this is the argument and the argument says this a house in that sense is really not an investment because it does not generate any income and it doesn't permit you to really grow and become financially independent or financially grow it it, it almost becomes just like if buying a car with the only difference being that the car depreciates and the house does not um but some people actually argue that it would be better for someone to rent and then if they have a good positive credit score 
rather than actually getting a loan for a home, get a loan for a business and then take that the money that is generated from that business and then you can go ahead, pay your rent and not only pay your rent, but you could also um, further invest with that money. And so some people, there are proponents out there that actually say, so go ahead, if, if you're going to buy a home, especially first time homeowners, go ahead and get that loan and, and plug it into a business because you want it to generate um, um, an income. What are, you, what are your thoughts? I think that that is smart you know, to do initially, especially when you're young and you're not as focused on nesting, you know, and I think that you got to be savvy in both arenas because so you could right. lose your business just like you could lose a home. Right. But, you know, but but it's not to say that buying a home is not an investment. It's just saying how you approach it, because clearly, I mean, buying a home can ultimately be an investment. But it's just I guess the problem is so many people don't don't buy it in a way where it can become an asset for them. It becomes a liability because they push themselves too far. But but let's just say you don't push yourself too far. There are some other people that will say, okay, okay, buying a home is definitely an investment, but don't buy a single family home, they say. They say buy a multifamily home because if you buy a multifamily home, then, um, then you would be able to rent out a portion of that property and the renter's payment can actually cover the cost of your mortgage and other household expenses. And then now it becomes that home purchase actually pays you back. Yeah. If they pay and they stay, right. otherwise it's a revolving door of renters who, you know, are moving on like, like a lot of renters do, you know, my aunt, she owned a home and they actually rented from her for like 15 years. And it was kind of weird to my parents or my aunt as well because they were like why didn't they just maybe offer to buy the home or why didn't they ever move on to go and buy i guess they were very satisfied with not having the ultimate responsibility of the home and now when my aunt went to now actually sell the home she gave them the option to buy and they had to turn it down i mean i don't know their finances the people mm -hmm. that lived there i don't know so maybe maybe they, couldn't, they were, afford couldn't afford it. I don't know. But yeah. um, I will say that for the longest time, I was one of the people who said I would rather rent than buy. Mm -hmm. I could have been jaded by our situation of what happened. But I also feel that I felt that way because we um, moved a bit, you know, and I always liked the fact that we could up and leave. I started becoming a nomad, you know. Right. We lived in Michigan and Florida and New York and Toronto. And I, we even lived in Texas. And, you mm -hmm. know, there were so many places. And I'm from California. So, I mean, I've lived in a lot of different places. Right. And we've lived in the South, you know. So I know that for me, I valued flexibility and freedom to pick up and move. Right. Um, but and so maybe maybe in a case like that, if somebody values flexibility and ability to move, um, taking the instead of throwing your money into a single home investment where you're just staying put, live the lifestyle that you want to live by moving when you want to and flexibility and take any loan opportunities that you may have and invest it in a business. That or, would generate income. Or commercial real estate. Commercial real estate, that, stuff like that. That can also, you know, give right. you a substantial income. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't lock you down because you can always get a property manager and you can live wherever you want. 
Absolutely. And that's and these are some of the ideas. And I guess I guess when it comes to that question, whether rent um, or to own, I still am a part of that. The party to say I would rather own and do real estate. The question is, is how you do it. I don't believe in throwing all your money into a mortgage because that is not investing. You need to you cannot be cash poor. You cannot throw all your money into something that you are not generating income and you don't have the opportunity to branch out and do more business. So I don't believe in that kind of um, purchase, but I definitely um, support entrepreneurial spirit where if you're going to purchase real estate, purchase a property, go down the line where you're going to be making an income. So. If you think that you want to take the risk of multifamily home and renting a portion, then great, because that is an entrepreneurial spirit and that's a good idea. If you if you buy a single family home, definitely buy something within your price range that you will be able to not take up all your income so that you can take a portion of your income and and do that. Or like you said, a commercial property where you're able to buy and you're able to kind of rent it out and you're going to get a property manager. You can manage that property. But real estate definitely is an investment opportunity. You just have to know how to do that. Well, now I changed my mind and I actually would prefer to own, which we do now, because I see the value in putting down roots and having assets. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to have bigger plans and do bigger things, a lot of times people start to now ask you, okay, what are your assets? And if you're just renting, you know, it, it all depends on what you want out of life and the mm-hmm. things and your plans. And if you're renting and you don't have much assets, um, it starts to count against you. Plus, I personally, this is just my personal thoughts, I rather have that model to my children that we own a home versus just being perpetual renters. And this is the thing. We have to talk about, like, market. I'm not talking to the New Yorker who, you know, in Manhattan mm-hmm. where – it's a renting community for a lot of people and it's just the way it's just the way of the, the game over there mm-hmm. i'm not talking about that i'm talking about most other cities where you know you have options to buy or rent um so for my kids you know maybe if i was in manhattan i wouldn't really care whether or not what kind of model i'm saying about whether buying or renting clearly there are people who buy over there too but i'm saying that for me especially in our community we need to model you know the fact that we are we are owning property and right. we are we have that kind of responsibility because when you do own especially nowadays now that um you know after the crash in 2008 it's harder than ever to really buy a home right. and keep a home and that kind of um, model an example to your children for me is is a positive thing because then it shows a level of responsibility right but you would agree though that it's not the wisest financial thing to purchase a home and think that that's a huge investment when your all your money is being tied into it. If if all your money is tied into it, right. yeah. But if not, then it's just part of an investment. It's one of your investments, right? Exactly. You know, and this. But there's another reason why I feel especially strongly to model that to my children, and it's because I I have people in my family who have not bought and they have been perpetual renters and they're mm-hmm. you know much they're older now and they're heading into a old age and they've expressed that you know what do they have to show for it right and a lot of the thinking before was your home was going to be what you had to show for 
you know, like your major and your first investment. Nowadays, we could get into so many other investments right. as well. Well, if your home appreciates, like there's so many, when you buy, there's so many opportunities to scale up. If your home appreciates, then you sell it. You can then go in and purchase a, a multifamily home or, or, you know, there's so many ways for you to be able to just keep scaling up so that you are making more as long money as and you, you are making the right moves and that you right. have the money for it. Exactly. And then now another uh, thing that people are doing with real estate and purchasing homes is, well, we went for the fixer upper and a lot of people are doing this. They're they're flipping homes. And that's another way to make money um, doing real estate is to find a home like the one we got. But if you have the kind of capital and you have that right common sense and you have a good plan, uh, flipping homes is an excellent way. And so we could have done that if we were if we had all that wisdom. We could have flipped that home, sold it, bought up, and you know continue to. We to do couldn't that. have. Someone else maybe. Right. <laughs> um. You know, I was listening to Dave Ramsey, and I listened to a lot of different financial people, but I happened to be listening to him, and he was talking to someone who could not pay their mortgage. In fact, I don't even think they had a mortgage. I think they had lost their house. Okay. They were living with her parents. Uh, they were in debt. They had um, a bunch of different loans and they thought the way out of it was to start flipping houses. And he was like, no, 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 no. If you can't even pay for your own dwelling, if you can't even get out from under this debt on your own, there's no way that you are going to be able to flip houses. He said that was the fastest way to become bankrupt. Right. Well, I mean, rookies tend to underestimate the challenges and the cost of a fixer-upper, just like we did. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They because definitely do. Even in a regular functioning home like what we have right now, in no way, shape, or form was our home a fixer-upper at all. But even since we've moved in, do you know how many times I have called the handyman? Right. To for just this get things and done. for that. Right. And it's by the hour, so it gets expensive. Yeah. Um, common challenges with flipping a home. If somebody's thinking, okay, you know, I'm going to use real estate as a way to make extra money, which is, you know, it's totally viable and it's a great way to do it, but you have to know what you're doing is first of all, you have to have a good appraisal of that home. You have to be able to know, you know, um, what that home really costs, what the value is and what you are tangibly able to do to bring that value up in the home and whether or not you, it's a neighborhood that it like there's a cap on some neighborhoods so it doesn't matter how much you put into that home it's still not going to go above whatever right. that cap is so, mm -hmm. so you have to have a good common sense as to how much you're going to place into it um you also have to get a good contractor if you get a bad contractor who gives you one price and tells you that they can finish it in this amount of time but then the next thing you know, that contractor is not able to give you what he said he could. And the time is going by. You're now trapped because now after you've passed your, let's say, say your two month or your three month deadline, what now is going to happen is, is now it's going to start eating away at the cost of your off your profit. So you have to have a good contractor. And then another thing you have to do is have a realistic budget for the projects for the project, including all the fees, because there's going to be now some fees that are associated with this that you may not have looked into and so you're going to have to like make sure you have a good project so there's so many things challenges in flipping home that you know that can really become you know uh, a, a huge challenge plus you need good credit most mm -hmm. of these homes are foreclosed and you need good credit in order to purchase it right. or cash 
So, you know, it's, it's difficult. I don't, I think when people see the shows on HGTV, they think, oh, well, I'm just going to go and flip homes because they show like, oh, look how bad it was. And then look how good it looks in like a few weeks. And they show the profit gained and there was a lot that went into it that was not shown. And just doing further research on it, I realized that this is not easy at all. So um, there was a time where you could go to an auction and you could bid on a property that was in foreclosure and all the bids are coming in and then you eventually get the ultimate um, bid. But then you could leave, go check out the property. And when you go to check out the property, just to assess it, to see if it's something worth the money that you just purchased and you say, okay, I'm going to go get my check. Or I'm going to go get my money and then I'm going to come back and pay. And when you get to that property and you look in and you find it, you find that they're pouring cement down the toilet, which that that shoots up all plumbing. Because, of course, those the, the, the bank, you know, foreclosed and kicked them out of their home and they're angry. So they're pulling out copper to get to get um, and they're pulling out lighting so that they can at least recoup some of their costs and, you know, and whatever they can't get, they're going to destroy the rest of the house. And so when you come in now as a buyer, you now put this bid on there and there is more work to this property than you can even imagine. And now it's not going to be something that is going to be profitable for you. And so people would not show back up to these auctions to to actually fulfill their bid. And so these auctions have changed their strategy now. Now you have to pay up front. Now, if you pay up front and now you get this disaster, you know, there are all these challenges. And so you know, um, these are some of the other challenges that happens with flipping homes that, you know, when when it comes to flipping homes and it could really, really eat away at your cost or, or end up not being a profit, but actually a disaster for you financially. And then on top of that, what I researched was that in order for you to really be able to do this and um, make good money, you have to start doing it in volume. So now you're juggling several homes with several problems. Right, right. But if you are a contractor, if you have the know-how how how to fix um, just minor problems, you have the ability to get in and to assess the home, you know, you have to understand what your situation is. If you are a handyman and you can do some things yourself, then, you know, it is possible that you it could be very lucrative for you. You can make a, a profit. You can make a living out of this. But everybody kind of has to assess, you know, what is good for them. But for us, we got this fixer upper and we made some of the common challenges. We thought we're going to fix it up. And now we are in a sour lemon. This place is broken down. It's worse than it's ever been before. It's overrun with grass. And then to top it all off, we can't even afford it. And so we ended up um, foreclosing on this disaster of a house. And well, the payments became harder and harder and harder. We started to have to juggle. And then eventually we just couldn't even pay it anymore. And then yeah. we couldn't even catch up. And it wasn't just that, that we couldn't pay anymore. It was... We couldn't afford pest control, so bees were coming in, ants mm-hmm. were coming in. We couldn't afford the cable. I mean, it was just one thing after another. Right. It's you know? almost like it's almost like it shut down. It was, like it was <laughs> dying. It was dying, and there was no defibrillator. Like yeah. it was just shutting down. Yeah, it was. It was. It's like funny now, but it was really sad and stressful at that point. Right. We had we went into a rental property and went closer into where my employment was in Canada. 
um, which which took away some of the burden because now I'm paying our rental in Canadian funds and I am closer to my employment so I don't have to spend on all the gas and now we're able to manage to slightly better but it's only my paycheck because Rita can't work in Canada because she didn't have a license to work as a nurse so she's applied for her license to work but it's taking months and months and months and my paycheck is just not enough to cover all the cost because we still had to do some things even though it, it was in the process of foreclosure we still had to do some things with the property and make certain payments and then so now we have two places one that is going down rapidly and it's about to go into full foreclosure the other one is a rental property that is now double the cost it's canadian but it's now double the cost and so it's we're in a really really tough bind and at that point in time um we couldn't even afford the rent everything is going down and um and then the the the, the top sign the sign that just tanked it all is that a bat <laughs> came into this home and it ran us out like two bats one came in one time and we thought okay one bat we're good and then the second bat came in and the kids and Rita were like nope we're not living here we couldn't even afford it anyhow we took that as an opportunity to just basically tell the landlord we're not living in a bat infested house <laughs> when the truth when the we absolute truth it. was we couldn't afford it we were just we were just running behind and it just wasn't working out and we became homeless uh Rita you know um, ended up going to live with her parents somewhere in one of the states in the southern part of the United States and I ended up um, moving in the home with my mom in Toronto Canada and for the very first time in our life we found ourselves um, apart and we did not like it at all but that was the only way um, I was 39 at the time and it was just horrible horrible experience 38 well, or 39 and I'm just thinking like I'm a man I I'm homeless I can't um, I'm back in my mother's house. <laughs> my, yeah, both of us being back my, in our parents' house. It was embarrassing mm -hmm. or humiliating, really. We felt like we were failures. Right. You know, how could this happen? And this was just like three and a half years ago or maybe four, four years tops. Um, and it's No, just, about five years now. Was it five years? Yeah. 2013? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was rough. It was rough. It was... You know, if this has happened to anyone, we sympathize or we empathize actually because we know that that was never your intention. We right. were not, we never set out to not pay our bills. And it becomes a domino effect. You know, you can't pay this bill and then that bill and then that bill and then that bill. And you're trying to juggle, you're trying to you know, afford food and gas money. See, when we were living in New York before we moved into Toronto, we had a huge gas, um, gasoline, you know, where we had to put, we always had to fill our tanks because we were driving in mm -hmm. all the time from, you know, from upstate New York into Toronto. And so, you know, again, with the with the currency exchange, it was just, it was almost, it was impossible. It was killing us. Yeah. You know, we had to have insurance on the cars, you know, so we made sure we paid that. Right. You know, had to have food. We have four kids. Right. Like it was just certain things that we and had to do. And I was just do. not making enough money. And Rita was in school trying to get her nursing. And by the time she got her nursing, 
um, there was a few mishaps with some of the, um, her jobs where the places shut down and it was difficult to find another job that would was able to accommodate. And then we moved back into Canada when things had just totally overran us. We had to make a, a decision, you know, move back in so that we could, you know, stop the bleeding, stop the well, hemorrhaging. And so what happened was when we moved into Toronto, we're thinking, okay, I know that this rental situation is going to be more money than our mortgage, but we won't have the currency exchange. We won't have the gas um, having to fill up the tanks all the time. We felt like, okay, this could actually ease our our worries. Plus, and, Rita, and Rita would eventually would start get, to work. get and a job with the nursing. What I didn't know was how long it would take to get a nursing license over there. In Canada, there. right. It, I thought, I was, I was applying to work as a nurse practitioner and out here in, you know, the U.S., we, that's this whole separate pile for when you get certified or you get a license in Canada, or at least in Ontario at the time. Um, and I don't know if it's still like this, your application gets piled in with all the other nurses. So it's like first come, first serve. It doesn't matter if our, you, you're mixed with the RNs and the um, they call them RPNs, which is like a LPN or LVN out here. So I was in a pile with, I don't even know how many people, probably thousands of people. So it took over a year. Right. Whereas I was used to getting a license. One time I applied for a state license. You know, this is, this is, I was already licensed in New York. So now I'm just getting like reciprocal, um, uh, license by reciprocation in another state. And I mean, one time it took me as short as like three or four days. That's how easy it was. So I'm thinking that's how it's going to be in right. Toronto. No, it was a year. So now we're there. We're thought, we thought this would actually be um, something much easier to get mm -hmm. and then I was not able to work and so I had to start looking for ways that I could work and so that's when you actually started to think about like Amazon and mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff that's when you really started to get into that because you're like if I can't get my nursing license what maybe, am I gonna do yeah but what I, am I gonna do I was only I was on the fringe of it I really didn't really get a good handle on it because I right. didn't believe that this was really true at that point right I started looking to work at like drugstores <laughs> you know right. and um brick and like, mortar stores yeah. what was I gonna do I was gonna do a call center I was gonna do anything right you know but what ended up happening was I ended up looking for a job where my parents lived so I could just be down there with them for a while mm -hmm. as my license is processing up in Toronto and so then I got the job in um, where my parents lived. And from then on, I was, I've had a stable job. But the, the, the problem was now we're separated. Now we're separated. So, and we're homeless because we're living in our parents' home. And we just don't count that as, you know. No, that wasn't a home. home. That wasn't, that wasn't home. a home. That wasn't we're our not, home. We're not, the, <laughs> we're not talking about homeless where we have a shopping cart and we're right. in the park. But we did not have we a family lost, home. Right. We lost our home to foreclosure. And I had to move in with my mom. She had to move in with her parents. I'm 38. She was like 34. And the reason why and just... I decided not to live with his mom, not, she's a wonderful woman. She's a wonderful woman, but I was embarrassed. I'm a grown woman with four kids. Right. I didn't want to live with my mother-in-law. I felt like, you know, how could I do that? How could I even have her, you know, take care of my bills? Right. Because... And then she's waking up every morning going to work yeah you would be sitting at that there. point she was still working full-time and then i even though i couldn't work yet because i didn't have the license i still didn't want to sit down there right. because prior to this and this is actually an important thing that i forgot to mention 
Prior to this, as we are losing our home, we are borrowing money from his mom every month and then paying her back and then next month doing it all over again. Right. It was a it was it was it was, it, it was an embarrassing, humiliating so I keep using the word embarrassing and then I keep going to humiliating because yeah. I don't know why I don't just use that word. Humiliating. It was the... humiliating and it was just like, what is my life becoming? Because every month we're saying, can we borrow this money? And then we would always pay it back. And we're grateful for her kindness. We we're grateful. But at the same time, she must have been like, get it together. Right. And it just or just just to, to, to have to tax her. And and the the interesting thing about it is, is, is that. It was even at a time where my dad had already passed away. So she is now a single single widow, widow. who is now going to have to shoulder. And it just it was not a great situation. And it wasn't it didn't feel good being at that age, and, not and having much, it together financially. And as much as I want to blame circumstances, currency conversions and this and hospitals closing and that, I, I had to ultimately take responsibility on my end. Once I moved down with my parents, it was such a wake-up call. It, I just said to myself, I don't ever want to do this again. My parents were gracious, and they um, they put up with... <laughs> I brought not only my kids, but <laughs> two dogs. dogs. And they were like, whoa, I'm telling you, parents, parents... Parents, they'll do anything for they you. They will do anything when for they you love when they you. love you. Oh, my goodness. Like, a shout-out to my to mom. And we have to say the caveat when they love you because... Well, well, <laughs> well unfortunately, there are some parents yeah. that are disconnected from their children. But, uh-huh. but shout-out to Rita's parents and a shout-out to my mom who and, and my dad and who has passed away dad, now because i know if your dad was alive he yeah. would have still been like sure come on in but just the love that she's experienced from her grandparents who who are who, who are were, my parents because they, raised, they raised her and to my parents just the love and the investment when they really didn't have to but they chose to and i just don't know where we would be without them but i'd like to say that there is something to also learning through the hard knocks of life and losing everything and learning through, because sometimes the love that your parents show can be enabling and it can keep you in a cycle of dependence where you're not making wise choices. And and in some of the things that took place in our lives, there was some poor choices that were being made because we did have that crutch. We did have that safety net. That safety net. Mm-hmm. And when the safety net, when we kind of took the safety net away, because I think that sometimes parents are just not bold enough sometimes to, to say these things because they just are worried about what, they don't want their children to suffer, but right. but when we took the safety net away and we determined after we hit rock bottom, we determined that we were not going to put our parents through that again and we're not going to depend on anybody else and it's not the best idea. And we took away that safety net and we realized that if we make poor decisions, then this is going to land on us and our family. Then we began to make some really, really tough choices and decisions that eventually landed us to where we are here today. So homelessness actually helped us to eventually go from homelessness to our dream home. And um, that's kind of where we, you know, where we are today. Uh, we had to go through hard knocks. We had to really hit rock bottom. Homelessness. Yeah. yeah, it it was a scenario that we were in. We never want to go back to. Sometimes I feel like I'm Scarlett O'Hara, I'm Tara, and she's holding that dirt. And she's like, I'll never be poor again. <laughs> no, I'm seriously, though, going through that. I literally have said to myself, no, I never want to go back to that. I never do. And um, I have a passion for starting business and really getting into it. I don't want to 
always be a jack of all trades or anything, but I do love to see new ways of earning money and right. and and just just really staying on on trend with what's happening right now and just being knowledgeable, even if I don't necessarily do it, just being knowledgeable of what's going on because I find it rewarding, but also there's that drive. There's that that thing behind me that I don't ever want to go back to. Right. And I and we're sharing our story and we share these things and we have so much more to share with you about the struggle. Yeah, and how we, we went from only, the struggle life to the onyx life. We not only lost our home, we lost our car. Oh, I can't wait to tell them that you story. Know? We're not gonna tell it to you this right. this podcast. But I mean, we have so many stories to tell you about how we went from the struggle life to the onyx life. But what we do want to emphasize is this. We want to give you hope that for people that have lost their home and lost everything and they've hit rock bottom, it is not over. Nope. This could actually be the beginning of great things, if, especially if it wakes you up to realize that there is a new way to live. There is a new way to live. It's taking responsibility. It's thinking slightly different than what is being peddled to you. Sometimes it's being peddled to you as a solution when it's really not. And when we were able to awaken, we realized that there are so many ways that we could live and truly become um, financially free. And so our homelessness opened up our eyes to where we are today. I, in fact, I, I have a thirst also now um, for learning. And the other day I was like, okay, we're making great money and you know, we're learning all these new ways of doing things and ways of making money. And we tend to do it online. We tend to go the online route, mm -hmm. but there was something that came up in my feed about, you know, real estate. And so I said to myself, you know, let me just check this out. And so I went to this class the other day and one of the interesting things that I learned, you know, beyond what we've already shared with you about flipping homes and all that stuff is this concept called wholesaling. When I got in there, I didn't know anything about wholesaling, but what they were telling me is, is that like, for instance, we're talking about foreclosures and flipping homes. So foreclosure now is an opportunity for people to take advantage of a situation and not just take advantage of people that are going down because you could actually help them. And wholesaling is one of those things. So what wholesaling really is, is it's the middleman between a motivated seller and a cash buyer. So here you have a motivated seller. Someone is losing their home. Their home is being foreclosed just like our home was being foreclosed. And we fully understand what that feels like. You want to sell it as quick as possible and you want to get your best offer as possible on your home so that you don't have to be left holding, you know, holding the knife blade. And this may not just be foreclosure. This may be somebody that really needs to move to another location to get another job. And they're just a motivated seller because they have to, you know, sell their home. And so what wholesaling does is it's these individuals that come in, they form a contract with these motivated sellers and they say, okay, this is what your home values. I know you really need to get it sold. I will make sure that you get it sold. I have a list of cash buyers, people that are buy houses to flip them, to get a profit off of them. So you're not going to get the highest cost or price for your home. But what I will do is I'll get you a really good cost for your home so that this cash buyer can come out. You can get it sold right away. And so this is the reason why it really works is because you have a motivated seller and then you have all these cash buyers that are competing for the home. Now, the reason why it actually works better is because unlike the auction, remember, we we're talking about the auction or if you go in, you don't know the condition of the home. In this particular case, a wholesaler will be able to go into the home of these uh, motivated sellers 
assess the home and be able to get a true value of what that home is. And they'll be able to work out all the costs, the cost of contracting, the cost of everything after it's fixed up, what you could get for that home. And after they get all of that, they will sign the contract with that, that middle person, the wholesaler will sign the contract with the seller. Then they'll go and they will bargain it. So they become sort of like the auctioneer and they will find these cash buyers and they will sell it to the cash buyers. As that wholesaler sells it to the cash buyer, the one that wants to, to, to buy it, they can come in and say, okay, here, I got this deal. It's already signed contract. It's a done deal. It's a $30,000 profit. You, what you need to do, because I got this for you and I made it easy for you, you need to give me, let's say, 8000 of that 30000 And so they're going to make an easy $22,000 profit or something something that goes along that line. And so it's sort of like that is seems to be that new way of making money wholesaling. Now, you know, for a lot of people, I'm sure, you know, anywhere from five to $8,000 off of one sale where you're just simply just answering a phone call of the list of buyers and the list of sellers, uh, that could be a very lucrative thing. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's a little bit more to this all of wholesaling, but it's something that it's worth checking out because if you get into this and, and you're able to do very well with it, um, I'm sure you can make a whole lot more money than, than probably what you're making today. So there's just a ton of ways that we can make extra money, that you can run your own life, that you can be able to profit. And apparently real estate is one of them um, and, and purchasing properties. And so... Um, there is just so every time that we come and we come on this podcast, we always want to leave you with not just inspiring stories, but we want to leave you with some great ideas on how you can take your family to another level so that you will be able to um, live that Onyx life. Yeah. No, I hope you guys enjoyed hearing about our story and know that there's always hope that it's not the end of the line for you. It's not the end of the world. It does get better. It does. And like Marthel said, sometimes you have to hit your rock bottom before, you know, you get back up. So we just want to say, you know, thanks for listening. Join us again Monday through Friday. Show notes are found at theonyxlife.com where you can also submit questions to ask us. Join our Facebook at The Onyx Life. Follow us on Twitter at The Onyx Life and on Instagram at The Onyx Life Official. Now go and live that Onyx life where change comes with challenge. See you next time.